This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm just thrilled to be here every week sharing with you the stories of women who are leaders in their field and sharing what we like to call the real story behind the title. And this evening, we have a great show for you. My my very special guest is Cindy Lowe, and Cindy is uh, the author of Behind the Red Velvet Curtain, as well as owner of Red Velvet Events. And later in the show, stay tuned for our Health Watch with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. She's going to be discussing the ABCs of melanoma, uh, which is a great topic as we head into the summer months. Uh, I'd like to share a very exciting announcement. We now have a brand new uh, member of our watch team for our legal watch. And her name is Carol Weinman. Carol Weinman is an attorney and owner of Weinman Law Office, and she has a very special expertise in the legalities around autism. Uh, So stay tuned for Carol as our legal contributor. She'll be starting her first segment in June. I want to give a special thank you to Jefferson University Hospital and Baird Wealth Management for their sponsorship and their support of our mission here at Women to Watch. And be sure to check out our website uh, for our very exciting lineup that we have scheduled throughout the summer. And if you happen to miss the live show, you can find our podcast at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. I'd like to welcome now to the show, Cindy Lowe. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sue. I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you. And uh, I understand you're calling from Texas this afternoon? I am. Yeah? How is it there today? Great and hot. Uh, We are about to hit record uh, 100-degree weather. (laughs) Wow. So that will be the next couple of days. (laughs) Okay. Um, I I visited there once, and and it's a beautiful, beautiful city. Actually, I was in Austin, and I believe that's your hometown? That is. I've been calling Austin home for almost two decades now, so very fortunate. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing there in Austin. Uh, You and I had a call a couple months ago, and one of the things I think so interesting about your story and, and your career is the the change that you made to kind of follow um, more your interest and creative juices. Uh, but you actually started out in technology, and um, from what I gather, there was some influence, family influence there for where you started out. Yes. So I actually grew up in Houston, so I was born outside of Houston in a small town called College Station because that's where my dad went to the university. And so he had immigrated over. So I'm a first-generation-born American citizen for the family. And there's just a lot of pressure in an Asian-American family to, you know, 
follow a certain path, go to college and, you know, do do what I call a safe job, you know, be a doctor, a lawyer or an accountant. And I did try to pursue accounting, but I quickly realized that it was not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I actually landed in software because I really did enjoy coding and problem solving and working with people. But then 9-11 happened, and that's when I kind of took a step back and reevaluated what I was doing. And I was thinking, you know, if I had a choice to do anything else in the world, what would it be? And a lot of my friends encouraged me to go into event management, which I had no idea that that even existed as a career path other than in the hotel business. So that's uh, where I landed almost 16 years ago trying to figure out how to get into that industry. And because no one would really uh, hire me at first, <laughs> because I was coming again from corporate America and I didn't have any hospitality formal background, um, I decided to use my business degree and start the business that, you, that you're about to interview me about and just try it out for a year. But needless to say, I call it a happy accident that when a year rolled around, I was enjoying myself too much and enjoying learning all the things I didn't know about the industry. And I decided to stay and give it a try. And now we're here 16 years later, which is, it's crazy. It's hard to believe. <laughs> it is. And, you know, I want to mention you've won numerous awards um, as an event management company, uh, full service company. Um, I just want to go back for a second. Tell me, what was it about 9-11 specifically that kind of... Um, was the catalyst for you deciding to make a change? There were two. Um, one, I happened to be in New York when um, the incident happened. And I was outside the blast radius, so nothing affected us other than our building getting shut down and they told us to evacuate right away. And so that kind of made me realize, wow, how short life is, you know? Um, because you're, you're there, everything's happening, but we're, I'm still naive and not understanding that this was a terrorist attack, you know? I just thought, some pilot really couldn't see the buildings and hit it. And I was like, wow, how, how, you know, how could they not see the buildings? Um, and then second, because I was in software, a lot of the projects actually paused at that time. I mean, a lot of businesses, not just in tech, mm -hmm. but a lot of them said, you know what, we need to pause, reassess and figure out what we want to do to rebuild our city. And since my project was in New York and New Jersey, they definitely paused. And so um, at that time, my, our technology, our software company offered us a chance to either take a break or be reassigned to another project. So I did get reassigned to another project that was in Memphis, and that was great. But during that time, I was, again, going through contemplations of just seeing, replaying everything in my head and realizing maybe life's too short. Maybe I should really rethink, um, you know, what I want to do for my next career, you know? Yeah and, yeah. and it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying tech because I actually enjoyed it. But I wasn't in love with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and would you say it was that lack of uh, creativity uh, I in think that so, field? Yeah. 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 I, I think it's it's the idea that I was volunteering a lot for these nonprofits doing their events. And I was still technically doing logistics management, you know, on the project, on the technical side. But it was about databases and, and file uh, check-ins and everything. And, yeah. and I was just missing that one little bit that I enjoy doing, which is the 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 what I call the creative production side. Right. And yeah. and how were mom and dad when you when you made the announcement oh, <laughs> that you were they, going? Yeah. Yeah, no, they were not happy. And in fact I will say it probably took them close to two years ago before they have come to terms with me. Oh wow. Oh that. that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it is hard because I'm the oldest mm -hmm. and I'm and, and in Asian culture you're supposed to be um 
the role model for your younger siblings and other people. And, and of course, my parents, again, I'm the first generation. So there's a lot weighing on them. They're like, you know, they, they want um, Asians. This is how they brag. It's, it's, it's how successful their child is. And I, I left a very successful technology career and they go into two parties. I mean, they just were just like, <laughs> what are you doing with your life? And I yeah. go, I go, just give me a chance. Let me figure this out. I, I go, and I'm really, in all reality, when I first started, I, I did tell them I was going to reapply for the jobs. I just couldn't get it that first year. So I said, just don't worry this first year. It's okay. I've saved enough. Everything will be fine. I won't be on the streets. And I, mean, <laughs> I won't at that move time, home. I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will figure this out. And, um, and so, but what happened two years ago was that I finally bought a building here in Austin for our future offices. And that's when I think my mom took a step back and I go, I guess they are doing okay. <laughs> yeah, she bought a building. She must be doing something right. <laughs> you weren't just, really, that is, that is a big deal. You're not just leasing. You actually correct, purchased correct, a building. Correct. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's, that's when I think my mom realized, oh, this is not just a hobby job. This is actually a really a career. Right. And I mean, as we kept growing, she was seeing that, but she just didn't really put two and two together. It just was hard for her to conceptualize because that is not what is considered a safe job, especially for Asians that have immigrated here. And, you know, they're wanting to live that American dream, you know? That's and, right. And, and I definitely wasn't going to be a doctor. Oh, my gosh, I could not stand the sight of blood. Right. And there's no way I wanted to go to law school to finish off law. And so even though my mom says I'm a good debater. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and the other thing is that they probably didn't understand how much events have expanded into business and, you know, corporate. And, you know, it's so much more than parties. But, so um, true. Yeah. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about what you took from your years at Trilogy Software um, that, you know, helped you with uh, the event management that you're doing today. We'll be right back. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. You're listening to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, and I'm joined this evening by Cindy Lowe. And Cindy is the author, and we'll get into her book, uh, Behind the Red Velvet Curtain, as well as the owner of Red Velvet Events. And we were, we're talking about the, the switch that Cindy made from technology into event planning, and, and it's a big change. And uh, I, as I said, I, I really admire that, Cindy, that you took that leap of faith and really wanted to tap into your creative juices and switch careers. Um, so tell me if the, what, what was there while you were with Trilogy Software that may have lended itself to the event management industry? So there are several, and the two that I like to share the most often with people when they ask me that question is, one, the way we save files when you're in tech, you have to save it a certain way, check it in a certain way, because there are multiple people touching. And I actually quickly recognized, I go, wait, as we were growing our team and our events, I realized we need that same process on our side, because 
I want to be able to, if someone got hurt or maybe got sick or need to leave, their event could be picked up by someone else. And really, you just look at what I call the master file and quickly download everything, and you, you should be able to pick up the pieces and, and operate the event mm. itself. Okay. And so that lended itself very well. Mm-hmm. The second is actually more of a characteristic that I didn't realize of myself, uh, but uh, working at Trilogy, um, one of the things that I always um, uh, give them kudos and for is that they really empowered us to kind of think outside the box and, and be willing to take uh, risk along the way, calculated risk. And I use that same methodology in our own business when I want to push ourselves beyond something that we normally do. And it, it's scary because, again, there is definitely uh, a way that every Thing has been done before in the past mm-hmm. and you just follow it and it's a safe path. Right. But every once in a while, you know, if you're willing to kind of go outside that comfort zone and challenge yourself and, and take that risk, you may be quite surprised. And, and several times when I did that, I was like, man, why did I not do that sooner? Why did I convince myself that it was not the right thing to do since no one else was doing it, you know? Well, it's, and and it sets you apart, right? It's, it, yes. Yeah. Can you give me an example of, yeah. of, of a risk that you um, took? So one example um, is I actually charge by the hour. And this is a probably a quote-unquote taboo topic because a lot of people don't like to talk about how they charge once they, they actually figure it out and make it. And I actually made this a chapter in the book because I realized too many people were d- treating this as a hobby and not as a real career. And this is where the change is. You, you think you're setting a price so that you can, you can close business. And I get that when you first start. You have to take on new business so that you can get a reputation and also get the referrals and, and, and references. Mm-hmm. But once you get established, don't be afraid to ask for more money and don't be afraid to actually charge what you're worth. Because as long as your reputation is still there and that you are also delivering quality service and, and you're being transparent on everything you're doing, mm-hmm. then it's, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, there's a balance. And so what we did is I actually took this also from the consulting world, which is where I was coming from. We charged by the hour back then instead of by the project. And so I, I kind of took it over and I, I said, you know, what would I charge by the hour for my time to help these events um, make it happen? Right. And that's, that's where I realized, oh, my gosh. And that's still something I'm trying to change in the industry. Every time I, every opportunity I get to speak, I, I explain to people that if I could change this industry – this is where I would change it for good. Uh, treating it more like a creative consulting agency versus you're a commodity. Okay. That's interesting. You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And are you starting to see a shift, you know, with some of the people a that little you're talking bit, Good. A little bit. Um, it's definitely slower because it's, it's scary. People pe- think about it. If you're buying an event, people sometimes want to have that flat rate because they don't want to know that you're charging. And I've been accused like, oh, my gosh, you charge like a lawyer. And I go, well, no. Because I have full transparency. You can ask me to export my hours at any time. I keep track of it so you can see. Same with our team. So there AM, we have now almost 16 years of data. So we know approximately how long it takes to source a venue, how long it takes to negotiate a contract, how long it takes to manage an event of this size. So we have a pretty good idea. And I admit, if we completely underestimate it, I usually will eat that because I don't want a client to feel like, we took advantage of them, you know, mm-hmm. if, if we were totally off our mark on our estimation, that's on us. Right. But I, I have to say, because we're pretty conservative with our estimates, we actually tend to overestimate. So that way, if they agree to that, we, we like to come in and surprise and go, yay, 
we didn't come in as high, you know, because you were very good about monitoring how many emails you send. Because think about it, nowadays, people text us, email, call us at any day and time, and and our job is to respond back. Yeah. And, and I, so I just want to make sure we're, we're compensated. Right. And as long as you're, as you said, transparency is everything. If you're laying out what is being done within that hour and every hour Absolutely. after, yeah, then, then they'll be satisfied. Um, I, I love what you said um I wrote down a quote. So you launched the business 15 years ago, and you said, my mission is to outplan, outplay, and outparty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have you achieved your mission? I think so. I think yeah. so. We are, still, we are still trying to, of course, every day, every week, try to outplan new events because I personally don't like to do the same event twice. So when we have a client that's been with us for more than a decade, um, it gets challenging because, they were, after all, we're doing their annual event each year. And we gotta we gotta outdo ourselves from the year before. But I I truly believe in our team, and we have some great creatives. So I think we've done a really nice job in the last couple of years to really excel and beat out what we used to do for them. You know, when we first started. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Women to Watch, and I'm with Cindy Lowe, the owner of Red Velvet Events. Tell me, what's your leadership style, Cindy, for motivating your team and keeping everybody energized and happy at work? I'd like to say it is a family atmosphere in the sense that I, I'm going to be tough like a mom because at times I have very high expectations. But at the same time, if we need to be all hands on deck, I'm there with the team in there in the trenches with them and doing it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a formal name for that, but I, I someone did co- <laughs> compare me to a mom, and I said, you know, I'm I'm going to own that because that's true. I have I have very high expectations of the team. Um, because of, of what we do and, and the pride. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I'm not afraid to roll up my sleeves and get dirty. Yeah. Well, you, I should mention your sister works with you. Is, is that right? That's correct. We, yeah. I have actually two siblings. So I have two sisters that work with me, one that joined almost 10 years ago and then another that joined uh, four years ago. Okay. And, you know, that can be tricky. That can be a good thing because there's a trust there. Um how how is that working for you as family members working together? Does everyone, you know, really know what they're good at and yeah. accept those roles? So what's interesting is I don't know if this is because we all ran our dad's business at one point or if it's just because we aren't that super close, like normally like a family, like where we would be sharing our gossips and all that stuff together. Mm-hmm. But we work really well together. And I think it's because we do know what we're really good at, each of us. Um, because even though we have the same work ethics, we're very, very different. Um, one of us is extremely uh, conservative when making decisions, and, and they consider me mo- most of the risk taker, whereas another one's super creative and can see things you know, that either of us, the other two, can't see. Right. So we work well in that respect. Um, I think the reason why there's no drama here is because, again, I hold each of them not just because they're my siblings, but also because they're a team member, to the highest regard, and I expect them to deliver, and um, and and they expect the same of me that I would never just take advantage of them, and in in expecting them to do a certain thing because they're my sibling, I expect them to do the best they can do because they're part of our team. Yes, and so and I don't give them any special treatments and whatnot, and so so I think that's why the team in general that we have around us can see that we really don't um, we don't abuse that sibling you know, area. Yeah, that's great. Listen, we're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk about the book and what made you decide to uh, venture into becoming an author. We'll be right back with Cindy Lowe. 
Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird and Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. 6636. I'm talking with Cindy Lowe, the owner of Red Velvet Events this afternoon, and Cindy decided to write a book behind the Red Velvet Curtain. And, you know, one of my questions is just how did you manage to do that when you're running a company? You know, it's so, um, it's, it's a tough path and there's, there's a lot of books out there. So first yeah. I want to, you know, what was it, what was the main goal in, in writing this book and, and yeah. how did you manage to do it? So the main goal was to tell the story of how we started, because a lot of people that may, maybe started following us later on in the years, they kept thinking that it was a, it was an, uh, what I call hockey stick, like all of a sudden overnight success. And I was like, Oh no, guys, we had a lot of ups and downs along the way. And, um, and I'm happy to share that with anyone whenever I speak or whenever I spend time with them over coffee. Um, and so that's the real the motivation. And I mentioned earlier, it bothers me that a lot of people actually treat this industry as a, as a hobby. Yeah. And I think you can make it a career if you really want to make it a career. Mm-hmm. Now, it can definitely be a hobby, hobby um, option as well, but then you have to be okay with you're only going to do events, you know, on your timeline versus whereas as a career, I have – we have to sell so many events a year to make our revenue numbers. And that's, I mean, that's how I, I look at it. Right. Um, as and, far as actually finding time. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say, has your, and has your revenue been increasing year after year? It has. Good. We had a tremendous amount of growth in the last, I would say, five years. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that Austin's been super popular. Yes. And then the other is, I think, because our reputation um, – you know, preceded us, and we were very fortunate to get uh, continue to get referrals from our partners. And so, all around, it was just it was. I always say I feel like the luckiest girl <laughs> in this business because I I feel like everything's coming towards us. We're not even having to chase it, you know. And yeah. and I know that's not always going to be the case. So I'm trying to always stay one step ahead. Yeah. Well, you know what, so. Cindy? What I what I've learned of you, you're 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 a go getter, and you love love what you do. So um, I think that makes a 
huge difference uh, for entrepreneurs because you're just giving it, you know, your energy at all moments of the day when you can. Yes, and that is so true. I don't even think of it as a as work. You know, a lot. Uh, my kids are now starting to grow up and realize, you know, what work is versus play. And they always ask me, they were like, why do you have to go to work? And I go, well, because this is what I love enjoying. I mean, I love you guys too, but I also want to achieve, uh, you know, all this, you know, all these goals. And, and the only way to do it is, you know, is to make time for it. And so I try to find that right balance. Mm-hmm. It um, also pays for their tuition. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. For sure. Right. For sure. Um, You know, can you share with us a mistake that you made as an entrepreneur, one that kind of, you know, that you really learned the greatest lesson from? So this is one, and I definitely talk about in the book, um, it's about hiring. When you hire, you know, you, you of course, are in this uh, what a honeymoon phase. You know, you're interviewing the candidate. Y'all are in love together. You're, you're excited. Both of y'all are excited about the start. And unfortunately, if it doesn't work out, you know, uh, either one of you will start making excuses, most likely the employer, you know, and, and trying to be like, no, no, it can be worked out and things. But I, what I've learned is that when someone is not a good culture fit for the company, it's better to let them go sooner than to hold on and try to repair it. Because the problem is, is that it affects the entire company and the team. That's now, right. if you're just talking about two people, then it's not a, as big of a deal. But when we started growing, um, you know, there were times where we had to make a decision on hiring because we really needed the expertise and the body and the person there to help, you know, uh, fulfill these events. But what we learned over time is that sometimes when we were rushed to hire, we would over, we would let it that they weren't a good culture fit. Mm -hmm. And in the end, that actually hurt us Mm -hmm. because then I ended up losing people that were a culture fit and because they couldn't work together. Yeah. And so that was a painful lesson. Yeah. What's the size of your team and how many men and women do you have? We right now have 25 full time and we currently have three men. I'm trying to fix that balance. It's funny because, you know, most like in tech, especially, I mean, it's definitely the opposite. That's right. Yeah, right. (laughs) You've got to get some more men on your team. Exactly. (laughs) But it is funny. I've noticed that most like our men, uh, we have two meeting planners that are men, but and we have one creative, but most men are not in the meeting planning. It's mostly female that apply. Right. So I don't know if it's, if it's, again, the industry, because in general, when we go to hotel events and you know, networking events, we definitely see a higher uh, number of females. But I try to make it as equal as possible because I we are obviously an equal opportunity um, employer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting to see where our, our mix falls. Yeah. Someone did remind me when we were eight, we were exactly equal. I think we had four men and four women. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> now you're a little unbalanced. That's okay yeah. because we want, you know, we're looking for more women-owned companies anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're helping that goal. Um, yeah. Tell one of your one of your own personal goals uh, I read was to visit all seven continents in your lifetime. Yes. And you've yes. been you have been around. Your your company I should mention is international. Correct. Yes, we do travel. Yes, yeah. we do travel. Now we only have one office, meaning Austin, but we right. do travel with our clients if they allow us the opportunity. Yeah. Yes. So. A question I had for you in your mm-hmm. travels: You've been to China, Russia, Canada, Mexico. Um, I I was wondering if you've noticed a difference in the women in the different working with women in different cultures from these different places. Or I have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have noticed a slight. But you know what's neat, though, is I've noticed they are becoming much more independent and speaking up. Mm. 
So, you know, obviously in China, there's definitely a perception where, you know, the women should follow. And um, I recently, that was my most recent international speaking engagement. Um, I was there in December to speak. And I noticed that more women were coming out and starting their own businesses and trying out on their own and doing their own thing. And I was so impressed. You know, it wasn't just the men. Yeah. And so to me, that is what the future is all about. I think especially with social media, people can see other people doing it. They're not as afraid. Um, capital is always another, you know, scary thing because you need money to do it. But there are businesses, including even event management, you can start with very little capital. In fact, I started this business with only $8,000. Now, granted, that was back in 2002. Mm-hmm. So that probably with uh, um, inflation and whatnot, that's a little bit more nowadays. But I'm saying you don't really, you don't need office space initially. You don't need, you know, you just need a laptop, a website, and a cell phone. And you can, you can do a lot you know, for that first couple of years to get, get, get your reputation going. Mm-hmm. What, what's the greatest overhead for you in this business? Oh, now it's definitely employees. Oh my okay. gosh. When Empl- we do our, when we do our uh, expenses, oh yeah, it is employee salary. And then right. the next would be employee benefits because uh, right. we cover all of our medical. Uh, we have maternity and paternity leave. We have, um, we have, of course, just uh, general benefits like education stipend, networking, wow. those wow. kind of stuff. So yeah. so all that goes towards the benefit uh, to the employee. Sorry. that That's amazing, Cindy, what you've done, I think, in, in a fairly short time in growing this company to be able to provide all of that for your employees. Some people never Thank get you. out of that really, you know, that that early phase with just a couple well, of people. It, again, I, I was very lucky in that when I told them, I, you know, as we kept growing organically every year, I told them, I said, you know, this is the year I would like to add 401k guys. And this is where we need to be revenue wise so that I can do it. Yeah. And, and cover everyone. And then they did it. They hit the goal. Yeah. And I was like, great. Next year, we want to add this. And so so every year, I feel so fortunate the team is on board with this. And so those that have been with us the longest, they've seen, they definitely have seen the, the, the change. Because when we first started out, all I could offer was a benefit stipend so that they would have to buy their own insurance on the, the market. Right. And yep. I, I want to say it was 200 US dollars a month. And, uh, and then, um, you know, we were like, let's hit our revenue target so that we can go ahead and offer full benefits. That's fantastic. And, and then that's what happens. So it's like every year we kind of give ourselves another goal of adding on benefits. And I think we're finally now to a point where we have all the major benefits of like a major company. Oh, that's so we have 401k matching. We have... Uh, medical benefits, and we have um, education stipend and all that. You know, I was going to so, ask you, yeah. you know, one of your share one of your proudest moments as an entrepreneur, and perhaps being able to provide that is is one of them or at the top of the list for sure. And I will have to say, when I can see an employee grow, so when they first started out, maybe they were just you know ready to do the smaller events, and as I see them progress over time, and that they can take on some of the larger programs that we have. That to me is a very proud mo- moment as an owner, just because I know where they were starting from and where they they got to, and uh, and seeing them feel accomplished and proud of their work because I'm super proud, of course. That that is just huge. Yeah, you know, I didn't ask you the the name. Uh, how did you come up with Red Velvet? Oh, I wish there was a sexier story behind it, but uh, it's funny. I, I uh, because my marketing, I, I have a marketing brain on me. I already knew I wanted a color. It wasn't necessarily set on red, but definitely red is strong because in Asian culture, red is prosperity. Okay. Um, but I happened to be eating red velvet cake and I was literally everything I saw, I would tie things together. So if I saw 
um, a laptop. I would be like laptop events. Or if I saw a blue jacket, I'd be like blue jacket events. And that day I happened to be eating red velvet cake and I go, ooh, red velvet events. <laughs> and I checked and saw that the URL, the domain was available. Mm-hmm. No one had claimed it. Um, everything was available. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to jump on this now and buy it. Yeah. Um, in the book, it reveals that I did have a different name for the first uh, six to eight months oh. because um, I was playing off of Austin, the name. Okay. But the problem was people couldn't pronounce it. Oh, okay. So well, I changed it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a great name. And of course, it makes you think of the red velvet, you know, the runway. Yes. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be right back. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your community involvement when we come Sounds back. Good. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley Hilsey Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird and Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. We're back with Cindy Lowe, the author of Behind the Red Velvet Curtain and owner of Red Velvet Events. And and Cindy, in the, in the last segment, I had asked about uh, the book and, and what made you decide to write it. And um, we didn't get to, to talk about that. So one of the things um, I was going to mention how I actually found time to write it is I should mention, again, a, like a failure moment to a success moment is that I tried to actually start writing it three years ago, and it just wasn't the right timing. There was too much going on in the business. I needed my attention there. And when I realized this past year um, that I actually had the time, the team was able to run the events without me and the business, that's when I knew it was the right moment to do it. And so I... I did hire a copy editor. That was very helpful. And I, I was just trying to keep on schedule, and, and I gave myself a year to complete it. And so okay. that's how we stayed on track to doing it. Yeah. Did you break it up into, you know, I'm going to do this much every week or accomplish this by month's end? How did that work? Yeah. Every, every week, essentially, there was a three-hour block. <laughs> okay. And I would chat with my copy editor and um, and they actually had a pretty good process because she's written uh, multiple books before mm-hmm. uh, for other entrepreneurs. And um, the, the first one was just creating an outline, just doing an outline of the book. How, what would the chapters look like? Is this something that, that feels solid? Does it feel like you? And then we would try to attack each chapter, you know, month by month and, and tr- try to fill in every all the details. And so, and then we would go back and edit and go back and forth and, and, then, and, and try stories. <laughs> okay. So you interspersed personal um, experiences throughout the book. Yeah. And yeah. that, and that's a total of choice on your own. And I just wanted to be a little more personal. A lot of people were very surprised that when they read the book, they did tell me, they go, I'm surprised at how personal you allowed to get. And I go, well, I think it's because a lot of people thought, you know, there's, that this, again, just happened overnight, and it didn't. And I, I want them to kind of, I want to take them back through the thought process and just things that happened that, that got us here. Because I, I think 
maybe that will help them realize they're not alone because I, I, entrepreneurship can be a very lonely road too if you if you if you do rise you know and successful but you need to know who you can count on that's right that's right and you know what tell, was there someone throughout the process um, that believed in you and and kind of was that go-to person yes <laughs> my husband okay. he and at that time he was my boyfriend too so this was even more of a risk for him. He's like, I was like, what are you doing? And I go, I'm going, to, <laughs> I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to start this event business. And he's like, uh, okay. <laughs> skeptical, <laughs> skeptical. Yeah. yeah. But he, he really does uh, support me. And in the sense of at that time, it was honestly, it was financially that first year because um, I sold my house and I told him that I was going to move into his house so I didn't have to pay rent. And he goes, whoa, 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 what? And I, I, go, I go, well, here's my plan. And he's like, wow, okay. And um, and then once the first year passed, I was like, okay, I'm going to now make money. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. do it this way. And and so, but he has been a great supporter because he's very realistic. He does have a business mind of his own as well. Mm-hmm. And he's really good at giving constructive feedback. Yeah. And, and, we, and we make it work, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're such a great example, Cindy. Really, I love it that... Um, Again, you you know you went into one industry because it was what you were supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't in your heart. And when you you know realized what it was uh, that brought you joy, you went for it. And I think that's that's great inspiration for our listeners. Thank you. Tell me the industries that you work with. Are you across the board? We are, but we definitely are a lot in high tech, uh, partly because of my background. Okay. And, um, Austin is very high tech focused. Yeah. Um, since Austin uh, gained Coda, which is Circuit of the Americas, we've also gained a lot of automotive clients that have come through. Oh, okay. Um, and then now we're slowly getting uh, more and more medical um, companies because we have the new Dell Medical School here. Oh, great. So those have really been thriving and booming for us. But we generally are across the board. We do everything from retail, restaurants, um, any corporate, any company corporation basically that has an event, whether it be a conference, an incentive trip, or um, um, like a, a launch event. Yeah. Is is there yeah. something that's kind of the latest and greatest in events these days? You know. Um, this is really kind of out there, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. holograms. I, I actually yeah, I, I yeah. interviewed a woman who started a hologram company. It was fascinating to oh, me, something yeah. that they're implementing. Yeah, because I see those now at libraries, at airports. Uh, we, saw, we saw them at uh, South by Southwest uh, the past couple of years. I would say probably right now, it's a, this is more of a general term, but it's, it's the concept of activation. People don't want to just go to an event have their orders and just mingle. They mm-hmm. want to be entertained. Okay. So whether that be an activation station that right when you walk in, you either get like a fake tattoo on your arm or you or you um, put on 3D glasses so that you can experience another dimension. It is, it's the idea of being entertained while also learning about the brand or the product and, and, and creating a, a, what I call a social media moment. Okay. Whether they yeah. brag about it to their friends or whether right. they actually talk about it on Twitter. So those are those uh, types of uh, things that are very popular. Terrific. Listen, Cindy, we've come to the end of the show. Can you give your contact information for the listeners? Absolutely. You can get all of it at www.red, like the color, velvet, 
events, E-V-E-N-T-S.com. And all of uh, our Instagram, social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, and email addresses are there. Okay. And we'll be sharing that as well. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Uh, I appreciate your sharing your story. I really appreciate you inviting me. Thank you. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, and we're now going to be joined by our weekly Health Watch with Dr. Marianne Ritchie from Jefferson University Hospital. Thank you, Sue. Summer's here. Skin cancer is the most common cancer in the U.S. There are three types, basal cell, squamous, and melanoma. We're going to focus on melanoma today because the numbers are rising faster than any other preventable cancer. In fact, the numbers have doubled between 1982 and 2011, and for women especially those ages 18 through 39, 800% increase between 1970 and 2009. Why? Mostly those indoor tanning beds. In fact, some cities are starting to put a tax on them because it's such a health hazard. Wow. Who's at risk? Well, Caucasians, especially men over the age of 50. If you've had a personal or family history of melanoma, if you have more than 50 moles, especially if any are atypical, exposure to radiation as a child or exposure to arsenic, even one painful blistering sunburn before the age of 30. If you have a weakened immune system or if you're fair with red or blonde hair. Can you explain the myth about only fair people get melanoma? Yes, people of color can also get melanoma. However, they're less likely to survive their diagnosis later. Why? Atypical locations on the palms and soles, inside the mouth, under the nails. So see a doctor immediately if a mole becomes painful, itchy, or starts to bleed. The A, B, C, D, E's of melanoma. A for asymmetry. If you have a mole that one side looks different than the other side. B for border. Make sure that mole is smooth and regular and not jagged on any side. Color. If it has varying degrees of tan, brown, and black. Diameter. If it's bigger than six millimeter, the size of an eraser head. Or E, evolution. If it changes over time. Stay in the shade. Wear long sleeves. Sunglasses. You can get melanoma of the retina and wear number 30 sunscreen or higher. Take care of yourself. Happy summer. Thank you so much, Dr. Ritchie. Great advice as always and something we should be um, very mindful of this summer. Next up is Christine Flowers. Have a great week, everyone. And thanks so much for tuning in to the real story behind her title on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.